You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 135, your play draft Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns. Uh, you guys loved the fan speak ultimate GM and uh, guys, I gotta be honest. I'm glad you did because we had plans to do, you know, these in multiple form. Anyway, the fact that as of now, it's still the highest rated locked on Browns listen to show is great. Uh, you know, so it only confirms, which was a, you know, a good idea, a great idea, obviously, uh, at Browns mock draft, Stephen Thomas, my buddy out in California, Jake Burns did the first one with us. He's here again tonight. Obviously Jake's been on a couple times as has Steven. Uh, look, it's a fun thing to do, uh, pontificate on the future. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that goes on in you know NFL war rooms and the stuff that you're going to go through in the offseason. Uh, this one we did a little bit differently. We kind of put it together today through the, throughout the day, and that led us to, you know, we'll be able to do it a little bit quicker here and maybe give a little bit more strength behind our points. Uh, but without any further ado, uh, Stephen, Jake, gentlemen, happy holidays. Thank you, sir. Glad to be back. This was, uh, like you said, we had so much fun uh, doing it. We had made plans to do more. We were going to do it, whether anybody listened or not. And the fact that, uh, what, I don't know, 1,100 people or something like that have listened to it, that just makes it even more fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm with Stephen. Glad to be here. I think that I think this is always going to be a good idea. It's always going to play well for Browns fans who love to entertain the draft. And I'm pumped, man. Let's, let's do round two. And- I will say this. As a guy who does a mock every day, um, my most fervent wish uh, as a Browns fan is that next year the Daily Mock draft is so unimportant. I, I want it to be, I want them to be winning to the point where people are yelling at me, why are you even looking at the draft? That's what I want more than anything. Steven, nobody yeah, what, cares what, what, about who our second string right tackle is, okay? Nobody cares. Exactly. God, how great would that be? <laughs> It'd be so nice to just have one hole to fill on your roster that would that would be like a pick twenty eight in the in the first round. Oh, that'd I'd be take lovely. Pick nineteen at this point, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. What am I? What am I talking about? We're talking <laughs> about two first round, two first top five picks, man. And I'm talking about <laughs> pick twenty eight. Ambitions fu- over here. It was funny. We get like a state of the union email once a week. You know, uh, you know, from David Locke. He's our owner. Does the radio play by play for the Utah Jazz, and it was you know he you know gives out like helmet stickers. And, you know, the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers shows a friend of mine, Brian Peacock, has really taken a jump mm. recently. So, you know, right away I sent a message. I'm like, Brian, really? Nice jump? He's like, I got to tell you, Jeff, you get a franchise quarterback, all of a sudden people really want to listen to your show. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Um, yeah, we'll, re- we'll report back when we get that. And that's what I told him. I was like, <laughs> all right, well, I said, you know, if I could just run down to Walmart, pick one of those up, maybe I'll pick up some listens here. Yeah. Well, without further ado, uh, you know, look, Stephen, this is your baby. Uh, you know, start us off here. Let's get rolling. All right. Well, we're going to uh, we we sort of fast forwarded through uh, the cuts and stuff and gone straight to uh, the free agency class. And the first thing we we need to talk about, I'm sure, is uh, why are we looking at wide receivers? That's the first thing we're looking at here. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's it's a wide receiver. Th- I mean, this this topic will come up in the off season. I don't know what direction these guys are going to go, in terms of whether they feel like um, you know, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman are going to be the future of the position. I don't know. John Dorsey's coming in. He hasn't played his hand. What he feels. It sounds like he said today on ninety two three in his interview, um, his seventy fifth interview since he's been in Cleveland, yeah. that uh, that he likes Josh Gordon and what Josh Gordon's done. He speak to speak to second chances or fifteenth chances and Gordon's. 
situation. So I don't know where they stand. I do know that Jeff and I and Stephen, we've had you involved in a lot of those Twitter conversations where it just has to be they get somebody. They have to they have to have somebody who is an absolute lock to be there every week. Corey Coleman is two years have proven one thing is that he's an injury waiting to happen, unfortunately. And Josh Gordon, as we know, is one poor decision away from never even seeing the field again. So I think that the wide receiver has to be position they attack. I think that it would be wise to put some money to them and, and free agency. I don't think we can have too many of them given the situation we've had the past two years. So is it going to be what we do? Are they going to be a little excessive, perhaps, um, if everybody's there in the in the future that's currently on the roster? Maybe it will be, but I think that you have to invest the right kind of um, you know dollars in free agency and maybe taking one or two in the draft that make you feel good. Nobody wants to feel like we have felt the last two years where we just don't have weapons for any quarterback, whether a veteran or a rookie. Well, and the other thing is, is look, I mean, these are your home run hitters. Look, you know, the running back position, there's five guys who are the key component of their offense out of 32 teams in the NFL. You know, your wide receiver core, that is what's making the money. And the problem is, is that you have a tremendous risk with Josh Gordon. And look, Corey Coleman has done some nice things. Nobody's saying, oh, when he does play, he's a number one receiver in the NFL. No one's saying that. So you've got to kind of hedge your bet here. The good thing is, is Corey Coleman will only be in the third year of a contract, you know, obviously drafted in the, in, in the middle of the first round. Josh Gordon, look, I don't know if I could ever extend Josh Gordon because what the money he deserves for the player he is and the risk that he is is very, very difficult. You know, the way this played out, and we've talked about this, this could be a decent free agent wide receiver class, which doesn't happen a lot. So you want to know what? I'm ready to stash some money in that position. And this way, God forbid, something goes wrong. I'm not looking to take a Bryce Treggs off a practice squad from Philadelphia. I've got other guys in-house who can get the job done. Exactly. And and just right off the top, you know, because if I sign free agents – uh, when I do my daily thing, I get a lot of comments that say, you know, oh, what, you don't trust Josh or, or you, know, you don't think Josh is good or it's that's not it at all. It's that, like you said, I, I, I think Josh Gordon is all world talent. And I think personally, I'm much higher on Corey Coleman if he can stay healthy than other people. I think they're both great. But going into the season, counting on both of them is a situation I simply cannot be behind because you know, as has been stated, injuries and, you know, one night with the wrong people and Josh is basically gone forever. So I, I agree. We have to put some, I've been saying one, maybe two, if they want to go crazy uh, in free agency. And Dorsey has sounded like Jake said that he's interested in investing in free agency. Uh, and a quick note we should have said at the beginning, we have set this up to each take a position since Jake has a coaching background. Uh, he is going to represent the coaching staff view uh, I'm going to represent the, the GM front office view. And uh, Jeff has been nominated to be Jimmy Haslam, which, you know, Jake and I thought was pretty funny, but Jeff was unhappy about. But anyway, so <laughs> you're all what, fired. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be fired by the third round is what's going to happen. Um, but anyway, uh, as we went through the simulation, those who use Fanspeak know not everybody is available when you get to free agency every year. And for the second time that we have done these, uh, Alan Robinson, who would be, I think, all three of our number one uh, target in free agency, was not available. So the top of the free agent available list is Devontae Adams, Sammy Watkins, Jarvis Landry, Marquise Lee, uh, Paul Richardson, and on down the list. So what did we decide? 
You should address too, Stephen, real quick. That the, a question I see you get asked quite a bit is about the cap hit and what that means, um, because right. it just becomes tedious. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, on Fanspeak, um, f- the way they use their algorithm, and I don't want this to come off as saying they do great work over there. I'm appreciative of everything that they do, but you offer, you know, say 15 million, but it'll show up as only the cap hit, and I cannot for the life of me figure out what their cap hit is. Like if you offer a guy 15 million a year. Uh, sometimes it'll come out and the cap hit will be 13.5. And then the next time, the same guy, the same offer will come out to be 8.6. And so Fanspeak only shows the cap hit. So it'll show you getting a guy like Alan Robbins for $8 million. And people come into your mansions and go, oh, you think you can get in for $8 million? You're crazy. No, that's just the cap hit. So um, when, take into take that into account when you come into my mentions or anybody's mentions for that matter. It's no different yeah. than, the old, than the old Madden franchise mode. You know, every you know you can do it one time and steal a guy, or you know one time it, it wasn't enough. It's you know right. Look, it's a great tool, but you got but either way, it's not they, perfect. And Cleveland has a hundred million in cap space. Exactly. So and you, you look, you, Jimmy Haslam can't take that money with him. So you know, might as well spend it. Does he know that? Are we sure he knows that? That's the question. Fake Jimmy, <laughs> fake Jimmy knows it. Does the real Jimmy know is the question? Okay, so what we decided to do uh, was we decided to make uh, in this particular scenario Devonte Adams our number one uh, target, and then we tried to de- we wanted to make a not a low ball offer, but a reasonable offer for Jarvis Landry to see if he would take it. And what it ended up being was we got Devontae Adams. We did not get Jarvis Landry. Devontae Adams was our one wide receiver free agent signing, which if that's the way it goes, it's not the perfect. I would like another guy, but I I would not complain in the least. Yeah, he's the the ideal guy for... I, people try to pigeonhole these guys into what they play. Well, well, Devontae Adams is just a slot guy. No, that's not necessarily true. He can play some X. He can be your flanker. He can be your split end. He can do different things. And if you watch the Browns enough or have seen enough of what Josh Gordon does really well, he slips into the slot a lot. They move him right. around. Corey Coleman can do the same. Those guys are going to be interchangeable parts. And if you have a top three, yeah, there's risk-reward like we talked about with, with counting on Josh and Corey. But if, if status quo stays as is and you get Josh and Corey back and you have – Devonte Adams. That's that top three. There is is really frightening for a lot of teams that we're going against in the AFC North. Well, the other and thing is the other thing is, is now you're took you're talking about you look at before Corey Coleman was healthy. You look at before Josh Gordon was healthy. This wide receiver unit was a bunch of jags. Once guys started showing up, these guys didn't get demoted. They got cut. So like that's you know how bad Brutal. they were. And you want to yes. know what? In a perfect world, Josh stays clean. Corey stays healthy. You got Devontae Adams. You got two tight ends. You got your receiving back. I don't want to hear any questions about what you're doing on second or third and long because you have options at the yin yang. Yeah, yeah and then you add in maybe a you know a, a Calvin Ridley or a James Washington or or somebody like that, and you add a feature back. I mean, a lot of people really want Saquon Barkley, which I wouldn't be upset with. Or you add a a Darius Guice or a, a Ron John or a, or a Chubb or any of these guys. And like you said, you've got weapons galore, and then you got to solve the quarterback position. So, but it's like I think the point you're getting at, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, is that as bad as it was weapons-wise at the beginning of the year, there's an opportunity laid out in front of them to really reverse it in a hurry. Well, that's what you want. I mean, you want it. Look, when you have this amount of cap space and you have this amount of draft picks, 
Look, you need to start looking at your positional negatives and turning them into positional positives. You know, right. you're foolish to not do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, our next uh, uh, free agent position that we took, looked at was uh, cornerback. Let me bring up the corner. Where did it go? All right. We had uh, the top of available uh, free agent cornerbacks, Malcolm Butler, Vontae Davis, uh, Brent Grimes, uh, Dante Johnson, Kyle Fuller, Justin Bethel. Uh, and on down the list. And as a side note, uh, uh, they have uh, LaMarcus Joyner here listed as a cornerback, but he's one of those guys that plays corner and safety. So he's a he's a hybrid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We decided to go. I, I think that, uh, Stephen, we got Kyle Fuller out of that list and we got LaMarcus Joyner. Um, is that is that correct? Yes. That's what we ended up with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you can have Kyle Fuller's had a nice, nice, uh, nice season for for Chicago, he's he's found a, pa- a, a pretty solid rhythm. I would imagine Chicago fights to keep him around, but for yeah. the right price tag, I think Cleveland can make a run at him. Um, the, the Browns' current corner situation is is it's very capricious. It's very, it's pretty strange what's happened to the corner cornerback spot. Jason McCourty had played so well, um, and now he's kind of taking some steps backward. I don't know if that's. I need to watch more early season film to see if it's scheme related. He, they've been playing these guys ten eight to ten yards off, bailing them. Jamar Taylor's been dinged up. I think McCourty might be dinged up a little bit, but we're seeing a lot of Mike Jordan out there. Brian Bodie Calhoun's been hurt. So the, the pieces that are there, I think you bring back Calhoun, you bring back um, McCourty on a reasonable second year of his contract. You have Jamar Taylor, but then you add Kyle Fuller, who can be who can be an elite corner when he's playing the right way. And then we bring in the Marcus Joyner, who is that hybrid, who's played really well out in L.A. I would imagine they try to keep one of him or Tremaine around out there i hope that he gets away because if you could sign him to pair him up with minka and just uh and i'm doing a little foreshadowing there but to pair him up with minka <laughs> and, 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 in that role where those guys can literally play anywhere that's the best part of minka and what is the best part of joiner is you don't have to pigeonhole those guys anywhere one week right. it's hey minka we need you to be a deep ball guy about about 18 to 20 yards off i need you to make plays over the middle as best you can next week it's hey i need you to shadow a slot receiver this week, play slot, a lot of slot corner. This week we need you to go out there and guard Des Bryant. It, it is, that is the beautiful part. You need as many interchangeable parts in, in the modern-day NFL with what offenses are doing and they're putting guys everywhere. And, and to have those kind of positional flexibility players, if you could add those guys and still have Jabril and Derek Hendred who could play up in the box, I mean, I don't know, man. That gets me giddy. Well, the other thing is, though, is is when you have, you're in the position they have, and look, there are real players here. There is talent here. Just keep <laughs> deepening every position. So you want to know what? When a guy's got a bum ankle, it's okay that he misses a week. I've got right. four other guys I can put into this position. You look at what everybody wants to talk about Cleveland's defensive line. And I'm, I'm for it. But what makes it good is that you have eight guys there, and nobody's nervous about any of those guys having to take you know 10 more reps a week. 15 more reps a week because one guy's out. You are in the position where you can do that to the majority of your positions on your roster. That is what you need to do. That is how you get to being a winning football team. Right. And to touch on your point, uh, Jake, I mean, you're the coaching, you have the coaching background, but from what I've seen, McCourty's um, lessening in play uh, fairly much coincided with Collins and Ogba and everybody else going out. Um, this was, and we've said this on this pod many times, but it bears repeating. It was a thin team 
at the beginning of the year. They were not yet to the point in the build where they could withstand a myriad of injuries. Not only that, but injuries to key guys. They simply couldn't do it. And so they've been exposed for a lot of things. This is not an excuse, but it's that's just the way it is. So I think what they have at corner uh, right now is they have a handful of solid two guys and slot guys. They're good. They're not stars, but they're good. They need that top lockdown CB1 guy so that they can all slide into their natural positions. And frankly, they need the front seven to stay healthy. I mean, that's part of it. So we got Kyle Fuller and LaMarcus Joyner, both on very reasonable contracts. Kyle Fuller was under $6 million, and LaMarcus Joyner, I think, was just more than that, if I remember. I, again, I only see the cap hit here. Uh, but yeah. judging from this, it was somewhere in that range, which is maybe overpaying just a bit, but we're going to have to overpay a million or so for these kind of guys to get them to come here. But I think adding the two of them to what we have and then looking ahead to the draft, you're right. We've got now, when you've got all these guys who can who can play these hybrid positions and you didn't even touch on, uh, on Jabir Peppers, uh, who has been playing out of position all year, but if you can move him into that linebacker slash uh, strong safety hybrid rover, whatever you want to call it, it's got different names around moneybacker. Yeah, and have Minka and Lamarcus and all these other guys behind him. Now you can get creative. Now you can yeah. really do some stuff with your blitz schemes and things like that because you got guys in the back end who you can count on. Yeah, the the, the there will be some really hard roster decisions. I think that we had to we we cut a few players. I think three in total. That the I guess it's a fallback if there is if you can use that term more negative. If you have this much cap space and you have this abundance of draft picks like we see they're going to have to make some hard decisions on right. who's going to be on the roster and who's like howard wilson what we don't even know what he is yet is he going to fit in there there are a lot of players um that i think are going to be on the bubble to make the roster you know we're talking about bringing in two or three guys to the defensive backfield um before we if you include howard wilson and the two we just signed before right. We even talk about the draft where we think, hey, we can draft a corner in this draft, too. So I think there are going to be some hard decisions. It comes down to um, what John Dorsey thinks. Do, do we do we have really solid players here or can we capitalize and can we get a big time player? I lean toward if we're looking at this draft, Davis is going to take uh, sorry, Dorsey. I'm, I'm my bad. Butch Davis, John DeRona. They're, <laughs> they're going to be hyper aggressive in trying to go get as many established players as they can in free agency and using some of the draft capital to jump up. So we didn't really move around in the mock draft, but I do think that that's going to be something they do because I think they're going to know we can't afford to bring in 13 rookies. So we right. need to, to trade some of the draft capital we have to try to capitalize on the right rookies mixed with the right veterans. So it will be very interesting to see how that dynamic plays out because they have a chance to not just have those solid players or roster-worthy guys, but to have those high-end guys that can make a difference. So like you said, the, the Jabril Peppers and Derek Kindred thing will be interesting. I think they're probably best served going to a 4-2-5, keeping two backers on the field all the time and using a hybrid guy that's comfortable playing inside like like Kindred is playing in the box. I think Jabril will have a two-week audition here with Kindred being um, put on injured reserve to see what those guys can do in that 4-2-5 type scheme. There's so much flexibility. I'm rambling, but you get what I'm going at. No, and that's the thing. Look, uh, you want to get in a position where – it's tough for you to move on from players as opposed to saying, I hope every other team in the AFC cuts this guy, cuts this guy, cuts this guy, because right. we need them. 
Uh, guys, uh, like I said, the Wednesday show was brought to you by Draft.com. Look, guys, it's championship week in almost every fantasy league going. Not everybody's there. This is the cool thing about Draft.com. Uh, snake Draft, look, you know, small money, large money, any way you want to do it. You know, go ahead. The way I, the ones I like, you draft a wide receiver, two running backs, a wide receiver or a second wide receiver, a wide receiver, a tight end. It's fun. It still gives you some spice. The best thing about it is you can do it through the playoffs. Obviously, you have enough guys there. Do the small leagues, the four to five. Uh, you need a uh, promo code, capital L-O-N-F-L, locked on NFL. Use that for the promo code. But uh, Playdraft, it's, uh, I mean, draft.com, you know, on uh, Twitter, it's uh, at Playdraft. It's a fun thing. I'll set up my league for tomorrow for this week. It's just fun. The whole draft is a little snake process. Takes you know under five minutes to do if you're doing four and five teams. But it's a blast, guys. Got Steve. All right. Next, uh, the next position we looked at in uh, free agency was uh, edge rusher uh, because uh, with Ogbar going down, it shows that there is a need. To add some depth uh, at that spot, the top uh, free agents available in this one, uh, Ezekiel Ansah, Adrian uh, Claiborne, uh, Julius Peppers, Alex Okafor, Chris Carter, Danico Autry, Coney Ely, Arthur Motes, and on down the line. Now, I, I have been uh, on the Danico Autry uh, train for the past week or two. It looks like they're going to have some choices out in Raiderland, and he... From the few that I've read, his name seems to be uh, uh, popping up quite uh, frequently as maybe they can't uh, bring him back uh, unless he gives him a hometown discount. Uh, he's a guy who I like because uh, he's really kind of come into his own this year, and he has what you were talking about with the guys on the back end, some flexibility. Much like Miles, not to that extent, but in the similar capacity, he can play off the end, off the edge, he can move inside, he can move around. Uh, and they can try to confuse uh, blockers with the two of them. That would that was my guy that I pushed for. Yeah, no, I, I like it. Um, I, I don't I don't think we can go wrong here necessarily in terms of of these names that are up front. I'm sure Jeff's going to talk about Coney I'm I'm into Alex Okafor. Um, I think he's going to come at a cheap price with a, with needing a bounce back year after his torn Achilles. He was playing really well. Brings a lot of that veteran leadership that the Browns kind of. I think the Browns are going to be craving that kind of veteran leadership. Um, as many of those guys as they can find uh, can, can, can teach those necessary moves to somebody like Miles Garrett, who, whether we want to admit, is playing really, really good football. So, um, yeah. He's a boss. <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> argue that with anyone else making me nauseous. <laughs> no, but uh, for me, the reason with Coney Ely is, is uh, even if he doesn't get home, there's a lot of batted down passes. Uh, now, here's a guy who's already bounced, bounced around, obviously, his third team in the NFL. You know, there's times where he looks really good, was almost defensive MVP of the Super Bowl. Uh, New England took a shot on him. Obviously, it didn't work there. Uh, he hits the open market. It's somebody you want to be interested in. I don't know how much he brings you in the run game, and that I'm okay with. The reason I'm okay with it is because I already have Emmanuel Ogba. I already have Miles Garrett. And with the size of each one of these three, I can make them part of my nickel front. I can make them part of my dime front. You don't necessarily have to be a defensive. You know, you don't necessarily have to play outside. I can bump you inside. So that's one of the reasons that I thought, you know, Ely would be a guy I was interested in. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with uh, both of those. All three were options as well. They're guys that will come at fairly reasonable prices. So we took a vote, and Jeff, acting as Jimmy Haslam, said we would offer two of the three and see what happened. We offered Alex Okafor and Coney Ely. Coney Ely turned us down. Alex o- Okafor picked us, uh, uh, accepted our offer uh, for, uh, again, just under six. So, again, a very reasonable contract so that if you do bring them in and nothing happens, it's not eating your cap space it's not but he provides you know a lot of that depth as long as he comes back from that knee like jake said so i think uh, that's a valuable piece that we added there and it gives us the ability the guys the other thing that we haven't touched on through all these free agent signings is every hole that you fill in free agency gives you more flexibility with those top six picks in the those six picks in the top 65 because if you swing and completely miss on, say, wide receiver, now you absolutely have to get a wide receiver in the first two rounds, probably two. But now you've got Devontae Adams, so you can maybe make the argument that you push it off another pick. The same with the cornerbacks and, and the edges. I'm not saying you ignore it because you signed a free agency, but it gives you more flexibility to stick to your board and take the best fit available rather than reaching for a guy because you have to fill that position. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. And like you said, it, you probably just mentioned it too, that the, the ammunition to trade up and get that guy they're absolutely in love with is, is, is right. a big byproduct of that. The last thing we did in uh, free agency was uh, John Dorsey has um, done everything but come out and say he's going to bring in a veteran uh, mentor quarterback at least, if not, go after one of the top guys. And we chose the route today. Uh, to bring in a uh, an older guy that's you know steadier backup type, um, we attempted to get Chase Daniel about three times, but apparently uh, he thinks exceptionally highly of himself. Uh, so we ended up getting uh, Drew Stanton. Uh, and again, before anybody goes crazy, we're not bringing him in to start. We're bringing him in to steady the quarterback room. We got him at I think two and a half million a year, something like that. Very reasonable. He's a guy that can come in and hold the fort for a week or two or three if your top guy goes down. Yeah, we want to chase Daniel. I think Chase Daniel's probably we're gonna get into who he drafted over one, number one overall, but Chase Daniel's the guy you wanna you wanna pair. He's more of uh, Jeff pointed out, not to steal your thunder, buddy, but he is going to be a player coach, uh, somebody who's there to, to teach the ins and out of the league. He's a good fit alongside um, a guy they like to compare him to in, in Baker Mayfield. Uh, we'll see who they go with at that route, but that's the, whether they have Baker Mayfield or they take Josh Rosen, it's it's a, it's a good veteran there. Unfortunately, he doesn't like our $2.5 million. He hates He hates Lake Erie, so uh, Drew Stanton will, will, will do the job. <laughs> From the from the guy who went to Missouri, he's too good to go go to Ohio. But it's just funny how it works out. But look, you need a guy in there. Look, and hey, you might only be wearing a baseball hat. And look, the Drew Stantons of the world, the Chase Daniels of the world, these are guys that are going to be quarterback coaches somewhere. Whether it's in the NCAA, whether it's in the NFL, there's a reason you get to seven, eight, nine years in the NFL. And look, get rid of the Cody Kesslers, get rid of the Chris Hogan's. Look, just move on from them. Look. Nobody, you know, the Kevin Hogan's too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Mom I would like Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. <laughs> see, guys, see, see, that's the the Mammoth Hawk alum there right now. <laughs> yeah. Chris Hogan comes out, but no, move on from those guys. Look, you know what they can do, which isn't much. And this is again turn a positional negative into a positive. 
Right. So the final tally for our free agent class, uh, Devontae Adams, Alex Okafor, Kyle Fuller, LaMarcus Joyner, and Drew Stanton, which not a bad haul in my opinion, gentlemen. Yep, sets us up beautifully for a draft. If that's who they have going into a draft, man, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be pretty pretty enthralled. And the one thing I've talked about with the wide receiver position is, and when you have two guys with risk, the last thing I want to do is point to a 21 year old kid and say, you know what, I had you as part of my offense, and now you are my offense. I, right. I don't want to put a kid in that position. Yeah, that's that's the beautiful part is that we can we can be a team that potentially if we sign some people that we're not counting on rookies to be difference makers other than at quarterback obviously we have high hopes for that guy but other than you know positions outside of that we're not expecting someone like Corey coleman to come in and and, and be a first year player and and go for a thousand yards we we have some reasonable expectations for the young guys all right moving on to the draft that we have been talking about obviously i really don't need to send you guys the board at 1.1 because everybody is still available we are at the first (laughs) pick in the draft i am assuming that it is as as it has been down to two guys baker mayfield and uh josh rosen what say you uh mr coach sir uh, you know, I made my point clear on this one. I, I, I think Baker's quarterback won. Um, it's, it's splitting hairs, though. I love what Josh Rosen brings to the table, too. I've said it uh, for the past month or so now. Um, I, I don't care which one they take so much. I think one's a little bit better, but I think it's, it's, it's yin and yang, man. They're both really good at what they, what they bring to the field. I think in this one, we decided to go down the Josh Rosen route. I, I love Josh Rosen. Um, what he can do in the intermediate passing game. He's just, he's, he's the poster boy. He can, he can do it all. He's going to be a high ceiling guy. Um, I, I have no problem going Josh Rosen. Well, look, you know, Rosen, you know, I, I was in the summer with, as a Darnold's guy, but just watching Josh Rosen throw the football, he does what NFL guys do. He understands what throw him open means. And at mm. his age, that is something that you want to see. And this isn't a knock on Baker. Baker does a fantastic job. Baker brings you the leadership, everything you're looking for from the guy at the position. I just think Josh and sorry, Pete Smith, a little bit bigger. The hand size is probably going to check out what you want. And look, it's not that I don't like Baker. I just, my God, I wish he was an inch taller. I wish the hands were a little bigger, just something. I would rather go with the prototypical guy. I have him. I have Kaiser. I have two big pocket-passing quarterbacks with rocket arms. I'm now going to assemble what the tools they need to succeed. And, man, it should lead to some fun times. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a gut feeling. I mean, when you got – I just love being in this position. When you can take one of two guys – not to cut you off, Stephen, I'll shut up. But there's the, the, the one of two guys, man, that can be really good. And when it is this close, now we might see some separation if the bowl games go a little bit differently or, or Baker shows up to the senior bowl. Um, I, I doubt that happens, but with, with the senior bowl. But like, it, he, it should. Is, he should. He absolutely should. I don't, I don't know what – I think a lot depends on how these last two games go for him. But, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a gut feeling. Those two both have tape that you cut on that you really love. They both have the little red flags that you're going to be bothered by, but – it's cool to be a position at one where we think there are two franchise elite quarterbacks and we actually get to pick one of them. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I personally still throw Lamar Jackson in there, but these two guys are, are, I think separating themselves at the top. And it's like you said, 
Yes, there are things that you question it, about both of them. Um, the he, he hated by his teammates stuff with Josh Rosen. Please hear us when we say this has been debunked a thousand times, and most recently by all of his teammates on Twitter. That is not a thing. But we're also still very early in the process. There's a lot to go through. I mean, they've got bowl games. They've got senior week, uh, senior bowl. I mean, who knows? Uh, uh, You hate to say this, but one of them could blow out their knee, you know, and then, you know, that affects somebody could have a really bad combine, which it is what it is, but that could change the way some people see. But as we stand here today, I'm... My stress level is so low because I'm going to be thrilled if they take either one of these guys. I cast my vote. Uh, well, I, I, again, I, my, my vote would be for both of them. But uh, if they're really going to bring back this current coaching staff, I think it's going to be Rosen. I just don't see Hugh Jackson going with Baker Mayfield. That's just the way I see it. So we went ahead and took Josh Rosen number one over here. You want the final say on this, Mr. Haslam? Uh, well, look, uh, I was kind enough, and I, I sat by, and we went Baker the first time. And look, I'd be okay with Baker Mayfield. I would. Yep. Yep. But I just, what Josh Rosen does, look, it, oh. it's a, to be able to throw a guy open, and now keep in mind, Baker's 23, Josh is a true junior. I mean, Baker will be 23 at draft time. Josh is a true junior. That's a special, special quality. Peyton Manning threw 26, 28 interceptions his rookie year, went home to his dad and said, nobody's ever open. And his father said, no, they're open. you got to figure the one fractional spot that they're open. And that's what turned him around. Josh can do this now. And look, Josh wasn't playing with a bunch of world beaters. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Josh, I think Josh might have a little bit of a learning curve, um, like you just mentioned with Peyton. But the good part about Josh, man, is he's not willing to take – he's not – he is willing to take the risk to make those kinds of throws. And that's a beautiful quality um, that I think will translate really, really well. And let me make one more little hot take. I, I would have, you know, you're going to hate this. I mean, a lot of people that listen to this will hate this. If they somehow, to, to piggyback on your guy, Steven, if they somehow traded out of, took Minka at one and found a way to take Lamar at six or seven or eight or traded back to 10 and took Lamar, you guys might hate that. I get to shoot your shot at number one, but I would not. I would I would be okay with taking Lamar at 10. I, I think Lamar, in, but there's a caveat. It has to be the right system for Lamar. It has to be a whole new right. coaching staff on the offensive side of the football. I'm okay with any of the top three. I think the top two are better, but I do think that Lamar Jackson has a really bright future in the NFL, and he's going to be an ultimate, I'm big on this, ultimate chip-on-the-shoulder guy that he's being overlooked, and it's going to drive him. So, I wouldn't hate it. Do I think that they'll shoot their shot at one and take their quarterback? Yes, I think they're going to take one of those two. But if they ended up trading back out of that fifth pick after taking Minka and getting their guy um, in Lamar, I, I wouldn't hate it. It'll, it'll, it'll burn a lot of people, but I wouldn't hate it. I'm I with you 100%. I may have to mute at Jake Burns underscore 19 tomorrow because, my God, when, once I put this up, your mentions might be in flames. <laughs> hey, can, before we move on, can I just throw out one good shout-out here? If, 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 if you guys are listening and you want to get a, a really good look at all three of these guys, Justice Mosqueda did an excellent piece of work, and I have tweeted it out several times, and I know both of you guys have retweeted it and watched these things. He put together film of every pass Rosen, Mayfield, and Lamar have thrown 10 yards or more all year long and put them into one 
real. And if you want to watch these guys throw those passes, it's amazing. And like Jeff has been saying, watch Josh Rosen throw the seam routes in that 12 to 15 yard range. And if it doesn't get you hot and bothered as a football fan, you don't know what you're looking at. It's unbelievable how the ball placement it's, it's, and this is going to upset some people and excite some other people. It's ball placement on the level that we have seen from handsome QB Jimmy Garoppolo the past month. He puts the ball in exact spot his guys need it to take a 12-yard pass and turn it into a 73-yard touchdown. He does it 9.8 times out of 10. It's incredible to watch. Cough, cough, so does Baker. Cough, cough. <clears throat> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, moving on to pick one four. We are picking fourth this week in the simulator. And last time we were here, Micah Fitzpatrick was off the board. Lo and behold, Mr. Fitzpatrick is available. Uh, I know there's going to be some debate. Personally, for me, I put my phone on airplane mode. I sprint to the podium and I make the pick with 14 minutes and 47 seconds left on the clock. Yeah, Mink is the man. I think uh, the SI article they put out today, I retweeted for people to take a read to deep dive into who that guy is as a person. He's Nick Saban's protege. He is, I, I mean, if you don't read that article and think, man, I want that guy in orange and brown, I don't know what you're thinking. He would be the defensive quarterback in due time, maybe right away. Um, no, nah, man, that, that guy is a home run hitter. Well, look, you, look, you're in this position. You're shopping top shelf. You're buying the finest of the finest. And, look, as, as much as people love Derwin James, Micah Fitzpatrick can do every aspect of the safety position you want. So, let's see. I've got Miles Garrett on the front part of my defense. I've now got Micah at the back end. I, I, like some, I have some guys I like in the middle. I mean, I've sandwiched my defense. I've already added stuff in free agency. I mean, look, we all agree the defense is, you know, I wouldn't say surprising, but it's been a strong point, and now we are just continuing to make it stronger. Yeah, and I'll say, I'll say too, I love Miles. I think he's fantastic. He has more God-given ability than than most guys drafted at the number one overall pick in the in the last twenty years. But he is certainly a thermometer leader. He is he is not a natural born leader. I think you need more thermostat guys, and I think Minka fits that in in every sense of the description. Absolutely. He can do everything at safety. He can do everything at corner. I will say this. There's too many unknowns at this point. But if you're sitting at four and Minka's there and the team directly behind you at five is desperate for a quarterback and their guy is there and they call you offering to drop one slot and giving you you know, multiple firsts or, you know, multi, some giant haul. And I mean, you never know anything in the draft, but if you can look at it and be 95% reasonably certain that they're going to go quarterback, you pick up the phone and you listen one slot, one slot only. That's the only thing I'm going to say. If you leave anybody in between you and that pick, then there's too many unknowns in there. But if I don't know, pick a team that's, that's, quarterback desperate yeah like denver at, trying to denver trying to jump up I, i'm yeah I'm, I'm with you i think if you can only move one or two but you have to be so certain that nobody is exactly. going to re-jump you but i'm with you if you can move one spot back and get a second rounder this year and a second rounder next year or something along those lines you'd be silly not to take it even with the abundance of draft capital they already have but god you have to be certain and i'm sure those guys are yes. smarter than we are i hope 
they'll make that right decision. Absolutely. Uh, they, well, this was the fun Twitter conversation I had on Sunday with uh, my good buddy Tim, I think his name was. But, yeah, no, I mean, don't be stupid. You, you know, if you can still get your guy and slide back, you know, and that's the thing, and which has become the biggest problem here. Oh, you passed on so-and-so. Nobody ever passed on anybody. They traded picks away to acquire more picks. Look, <laughs> you know, if somebody's going to give you $100 for 50 and it still works out for you, who's not going to do that? I mean, come on. Right. Yep. Right, but again, it's a very, very specific set of circumstances we're talking oh, about going, here. You're not so. going from four to ten. If you, right. I mean, if you can do, if you can do what the 49ers did to the Bears last year, jump all over it. Yeah, let me let me jump in here too as we're talking about the trade market. Um, obviously, in this draft, we, we we picked fourth and we took we took uh, we took Minka, and we've got our two guys that we think can be the four the forefront of the of the offense and defense in the next ten years. As we go to round two and the first pick of round two, I, I would be very clear that if if they, about pick 17, 18 comes up and Darius Geis is still on the board, I'm making that call right now. I'm offering whatever it takes to get up there and get that guy. I'm just making that very clear. We can't do it here, but that move into the first round late again like we saw last year, I think they have to do that if that guy is there at the running back position. I'm with you. I, you know, I, three first-rounders is never – if he's your guy – Three first-rounders is never a bad thing. But we did not do that here. Uh, we did not do any trades, again, as we did the last time. So looking at the board, we are now at pick 33, the top of the second round. The highest-rated player on the board uh, is my guy, Ronald Motherfreaking Jones. Uh, then we've got Damian Harris, Carrion Johnson, Malik Jefferson, Carlton Davis, Harrison Phillips, Draymond Jones. Uh, the top wide receiver on the board is ranked 40th, Deion Kane, Christian Kirk right behind him. You've got uh, Chikwuma Okorafor from Western Michigan still out there, Arden Key still on the board, Simi Cobbs, Sony Michelle, uh, and Marcus Allen from Penn State. Those are the top you know, 15 or so names still on the board. So, yeah, we, we this is where the debate, for those listening, this is where the debating actually started because the first two were so dang easy. Um I think I think we were split. We we couple of us or maybe just one of us wanted to go Ronald Jones and then look at a um, just me. Yeah, we had my. Bad. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess we kind of vetoed you more than I'd like in, in hindsight. <laughs> um, but this is the thing, though. I mean, you're you're picking again in four picks. So look, you just right. gave ten names. We're getting right. two of those guys. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think the argument was Ronald Jones, and then going. Um, uh, help me I, another corner such as Jair Alexander and the right. next pick or did you want to go somebody like uh, I think the two running backs that we we're the other running back we we're considering was Sonny Michelle um, at, at the top of the second round and then uh, and then jumping in on on somebody else there corner like or, or, uh, or taking I'm sorry I, I can stand corrected Carlton Davis at the top of the second round and taking someone like Sony uh, a couple picks later I, I personally like Carlton Davis I think they need a young corner um, a guy who can play one on one um, and, and and is big physical SEC football guy. I think he's a good pick in that situation. Um, I think the drop off is a little bit to the next tier at corner. So I voted to go with um, Carlton Davis there, and then I love Sony Michelle as a combo guy with Duke because I think Crowell has obviously gone this off season. Um, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, you're going to get that debate from some people. I think Sony Michelle's a more complete back. Um, he does a lot more. Uh, he does a lot more in all phases of the game, really good balance, has some breakaway speed. So I think getting him in the second round is a home run. Um, I don't think we go wrong with either direction, but that's where I stood. I like the uh, Carlton Davis and then uh, 
and then jump into Sony Michelle's uh, with your next pick, couple picks later. Well, I know Stephen and I, we both like Jairi Alexander. But the thing for me was is here's Carlton Davis, a guy on the rise, whereas Jairi Alexander, we're talking about a guy who's coming off, you know, almost like a incomplete type of season, if you will. Right. So that that's what kind of tipped the scales for me. <clears throat> and, you know, you can never have enough SEC football players. <laughs> well, I think what it came down to was, like like you said, we're getting two really good players here, no matter what we do. But here's here's the way I look at it when I do my mocks, when you look at, where, well, where am I picking next and who's likely to be there? So which combination adds more overall to your team? Is it Ronald Jones here and Jairi Alexander four picks from now or Carlton Davis here? And Sony Michelle four picks from now. You can't go wrong with either of them. I mean, it's a matter of which I prefer. Everybody, it's no secret. I'm in love with Ronald Jones. He probably thinks I'm stalking him on Twitter. But <laughs> and I also think Jairi Alexander, as long as he comes back healthy and his medicals uh, uh, check out, I think he's going to go in the first round. I think he's supremely talented. But I mean, how can I argue against Sony Michelle and Carlton Davis? I mean. Either way, you're getting two great guys, and so we voted, and um, Jeff, playing Mr. Haslam, decided to go. Uh, we ended up taking Carlton Davis uh, at 33, and then uh, Sony Michelle four picks later. It was just, just the way it fell. I mean, look, there's really nothing wrong with either combination, but like I said, on the cornerback spot, I'm going with the player who's continued to grow, where obviously Alexander, it was a tough year for him. And look, you know, any of these top five, six running backs, these guys can all play. Right. And this is this is what we're starting to learn about. You know, look, if you wanted Ezekiel Elliott, you know, in the top five, you want a Leonard Fournette at four, that's fine. But that doesn't mean there's not capable guys right around the corner. Yep, yep, absolutely agree. Yeah, and if that's the route that you wanted to go with this particular draft, and there's nothing wrong with that, you would have taken Saquon Barkley at four if he was still available instead of Minka Fitzpatrick. And I got to I got to tell you, as much as I love Minka and I think he's the home run pick, if they go Josh Rosen and then Saquon Barkley at four, I mean, how can I be mad? I mean, it's not the way I would have gone, but I mean, gee, many Christmas. How can you be mad at picking up those two guys? But anyway, let's not even get into that debate at this point. Moving on. Uh, the Eagles pick comes in at 31 this week, so we are at pick 2.31, the top on the board. Um, Jerome Baker, Trevon Young, Jalen Holmes, TJ Edwards, Cameron Smith, uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, Jairi Alexander still on the board, Mitch Hyatt from Clemson, Lorenzo Carter, a, an edge who's uh, shooting up the board, Dante Pettis, Bryce Love, Duke Dawson, James Washington, uh, and one of my guys, Frank Ragno, coming in at 80. Go ahead, Mr. Coach. Uh, yeah, I think, had I known, I think Mitch Hyatt wasn't on the board earlier when we looked at our, our earlier second-round picks. If he was on there with the second second-round pick, I would have jumped at him there. I may be even with the first one. That guy is is probably misplaced right now as the process proceeds. I think he's, with the with the deficiency of effective offensive tackles in the NFL, he is, he is going to be really, really good, and he already is. Uh, obviously, one of the, the linemen of the year in the in the ACC. So he is. I just the the value here is phenomenal. 
if he was available earlier, which he was, I would have jumped at that. I didn't really know. Um, a little bit of ignorance on my part, but he's ideal fit. He's perfect. I think he goes late first round, maybe even earlier, right after the McGlinchey and Connor Williams. But um, yeah, I mean, here is the perfect fit. I think you need this tackle. You have to recognize the idea that Joe Thomas might not be here next year, whether we want to accept that or not. He's a home run. He can he can play day one at right tackle. He would be an improvement over Sean Coleman. Not saying give up on Sean Coleman, but he would be an improvement over Sean Coleman right away. Get me that right tackle to, to, to potentially be my left tackle when I need him to be my left tackle, and we've solved that issue with a, with a second-round pick. This is one more thing where you're deepening a positional group. Look, uh, Joe Thomas, I don't think there would have been any talk or you know, money-wise if Joe was thinking about walking away after this year. Obviously, once you talk about money and there's a little bit of an extension involved, they weren't just handing him money for the sake of knowing he's walking out the door. But now, look, now you you know you still have obviously Rod Johnson, who was drafted last year in absolute you know obviously you know out all year. You have Drago, you have Hyatt, you have Coleman. Look, you're deepening a positional group. This is how good franchises do business. And with what we've already acquired through free agency, what we already acquired through these earlier picks, why not go ahead and entertain the offensive line here now? Because we've pretty much satisfied every other group. So it's time to give you know a little love to the offensive line and add a little more here. Absolutely, I agree with you. And to, to tag on to your point about um, uh, him being underrated at this point in the process, uh, Jake, I would throw Tyrell Crosby into that exact same group. If you haven't yep. watched any Tyrell Crosby film out there, uh, if you're listening, go find some. He is mean. He is. He's just flat out mean. He's so good, and I think he's going to be in that 33-37 pick range. Uh, when all is said and done, but yeah, at this, but again, like I always say, when people say, oh, so-and-so will never be there at that point, you can only mock the board as it's presented to you right now. We're using Matt Miller's board. Um, and Matt's one of the biggest draft minds out there. So as it stands right now, Mitch Hyatt is there. I brought up, uh, in our discussion, uh, maybe you add uh, a Dante Pettis or James Washington at this spot. Those would also be good picks. And I know the natives would go bananas, but if Hayden Hurst is around, in this spot, you have to at least entertain. I know we've got two really good tight ends, but neither of them block particularly well. Hayden Hurst does it all. Um, and yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Hayden Hurst fan. He's my first tight end on the board. I, I think he might go first round if somebody's looking for that position. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you. But ultimately, uh, the pick that made the most sense, especially since we're picking again in two spots, was uh, Mitch Hyatt was I think a steal at this spot and the highest rated. Um, uh, tackle still on the board, so there's a chance he might go at the next pick and not be there. Uh, so we ended up taking Mitch Hyatt, and that wraps up our second round. Guys, Locked On Browns, my buddy Lauren Cox runs it. I will be on this week. Uh, we always love to do the cross-promotion between the shows. Obviously, Bears-Browns this week. Two rookie quarterbacks going at it. Uh, so it should be fun. I Look, Browns could get a win this week. Uh, Chicago needs to succeed with Jordan Howard running the ball to set things up. If there's one thing the Browns do well, it's stuff to run. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. But uh, by all means, guys, check out Locked On Browns. My buddy Lauren Cox, he does a great job over there. All right, moving on, two picks. Uh, round three, 3.1. Obviously, not much has changed in the board. Uh, only two names added to the bottom of the list I gave you before, Tyquan Lewis uh, and Braden Smith from Auburn. So basically, we're in the same position uh, that we were two picks ago. So I'll give first word to the coach. Um, yeah, I, 
I didn't. I don't. I can't remember quite who we took here. My iPhone is getting low on battery, so I can't necessarily look. Who did, who did we end up taking here? I suck. We, right ended, now, I'm sorry. we ended up with Dante Pettis. Pettis. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Pettis was the best move. He's the best name on the board. Uh, I, Jeff and I agreed right away when the list came up. I recall now. Um, just sheer nature of a guy like like Dante doesn't have to come in and be expected to to, to play and make big plays right away. He could very well do that, but. Uh, He's he's the name that we uh, just the, the punt return skills the, the quick feet to, to develop his craft behind some pretty good wide receivers that we picked up in our in our free agency and are currently on the roster. That's a that's a home run position strengthening pick right there with great value. For me, it was like here's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. And look, we've we've fed the offense, we've helped the defense. Why don't we go find a guy who's got a great resume as a college returner? You know, and look, I mean, you know, Washington has turned out as some studs lately. Uh, you know, haven't gotten the opportunity to talk with Kevin King, talk with Sidney Jones. I know the strength program. I know the speed program. These guys rave about what those guys did for them. So let's go where that's good. And you know what? Dante Pettis. And you know what? Even if year one he's a part-time receiver but a full-time returner, we went and got one of the best coming out of college football. And it's just eight. It's filling. It's basically, you know, the old Mike Mayock from the combine. We're checking another box. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly right. And if you look at the wide receiver core as we have set it up in this scenario, he's gonna. He's already got silly moves, uh, just instinctually uh, that, that he puts on people. And if he comes in and he learns from a Devonte Adams on how to work in space and how to create that little extra bit and learn how to be an NFL wide receiver, it can only get better. I mean, you could make a couple arguments. I mean, you can make the argument for James Washington here or, or Hayden Hurst like we did before or even Lorenzo Carter, but how do you go wrong with Dante Pettis when you're only asking him, like you said, to come in and he's going to be, what, the fourth receiver? You're, you're asking him for 20, 25 catches as a rookie. Anything yeah. beyond that is absolute gravy, and he's got more than enough skill to give you that. Yeah, and that and that punt return NCAA's all-time leading punt return touchdown guy, I think, right? He's going to uh, he's gonna he's gonna translate that skill right away. There's no doubt about it. He's a one-cut vision guy from a return standpoint. You're you're just you're checking like like Jeff said, you're checking so many boxes that make sense. All right, our third round pick, Dante Pettis. Now we're gonna do one extra round. Last time we only did those picks. We're gonna go to the fourth round here because this uh, I, I keep reading about how this is not a great class and i just don't see it i think there are some early day three guys that are really really going to contribute immediately out of the box so the top available players on the board as we get the 4.1 here uh mark walton and chad thomas a couple of hurricanes nick chubb on the board quinn blanding mike jesicki auden tate still there deontay burnett michael dieter out of wisconsin who's a guy i love holton hill in texas Micah Kaiser from Virginia, Kevin Tolliver, and a few other guys on down the list. Uh, Mr. Coach, you get first word. I think um, the discussion earlier, we, we spent a lot of time on the idea that the drop-off from the linebacker position, I, I, I think Micah Kaiser is the best name, and it's a steep drop-off after that in terms of what we can expect from them in year one. Um, and while we might not expect much from a year one linebacker for us with the, with the names that we have there and the production we've seen, um, the, the skill is still where it needs to be with Kaiser. So um, let's double up on Kaiser's. Let's get another one on our team. Um, he can he can learn behind Kirksey, Collins, and, 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 and Scobert. 
find a find a position for him. And maybe if those guys continue to struggle like we saw this year, um, Kirksey and Collins have been underperforming a little bit. He might be able to steal some time from them. So I think it makes sense to strengthen the linebacker group, um, bringing a young guy, rangy guy like Kaiser, who can make plays all over the field and, and, and establish some depth there where we need it. We go to a school like UVA. I mean, obviously these guys, you know, they come with a lot of intellect. Um, and look, one of the better things about UVA is, you know, they turn out some defensive players. Uh, with, with a guy like Kaiser here, and look, uh, when you brought up the drop off, uh, you know, you can always find, you know, pass rushers. You know, think of a guy of, uh, you know, Den- Den- uh, Danelle Hunter out in Minnesota, you know, a fifth round pick of his draft class. He has the most sacks of that group. So you can find pass rushers, you know, they may, you know, it's a little easier to teach a guy, you know, who has the ability, the moves that they may not have learned in college. But, you know, having the, you know, read and reaction that you want from a linebacker and a guy like Kaiser here, yeah, I mean, he can come right in. And look, we don't need a Ray Lewis with with the pattern that we've done already. We, you know, the defensive line is okay. We've reassured the secondary. We're going to ask a lot less of the linebackers with this group we put in place. Yep, I agree. And I think that, that whenever you have injury issues and the things that we've seen, this group has now kind of been with, with, with Derek Kindred's injury so depleted that there's never enough depth that you can have at these positions that we can we can keep developing talent but also providing guys that can play at that top end like this kid can. Yeah, I'm a big Micah Kaiser guy. He's another guy that uh, everybody should go watch some, at least watch some highlights of him. Um, and you're talking about the drop off, um, the next names on the list. And I don't want to disparage anyone, but the next names on the linebacker list are Sky Moore, Chris Worley, and then the two Washington guys in uh, Keyshawn and Azeem Victor, who all the talent in the world, but many, many red flags off the field. And so I, I just don't know if you want to take that chance. And as much as everybody complains about the line, the linebacking core in their pass um, protect or uh, pass coverage abilities, Micah can do that. Micah can do everything sideline to sideline. And to your point earlier, Jake, he's a big chip on the shoulder guy because he's just slightly undersized and he's never liked people telling him that. So we did the discussion. We thought about Chad Thomas, who would be more than an okay pick here. I'd be more than happy if they went edge at this point. But we ended up going Micah Kaiser. No, which I'm okay. Which I'm okay with. And the other thing, though, Sky Moore, I do like Sky Moore. But now you're yes. talking about, you know, drafting a guy with injury concerns. You know, neck, shoulder, that type of stuff. Right. You know, could it be a short-lived career? And look, you know, and like we said, maybe all 12 of these picks don't come to fruition or they don't make all 12 of these picks. Right. But, you know, if I'm not going to make all of them, I better make sure the guy's, you know, going to be around for a while as long as I need him. Yeah, I yep. like Sky more. I've liked him for a couple of years, but um, if you're going to talk about injury concerns, I mean, this is a guy, uh, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken, it was a spine, it, it, not only neck, but it was spine, and it cost yes. him the entire season, and he has looked completely fine this year. He looks like he's totally come back from it, but that's something that concerns me, and he's a little bit undersized on top of that, so I would rather, I, I think Micah is around better than him at this point. Agreed. All right, we move on to the. This is the last pick we're going to do. The second pick in the fourth round, um, and the board does not set up well for our needs. Now you don't draft for need, but you know at this point you're picking uh, guys you think it can dent uh, uh, the roster. And the top guys on there, you got Deontay Burnett, you got Marcel Aitman from Oklahoma State, Akram Wadley. Uh, there are about six corners, and we've already addressed that multiple times over. 
Um, you got some wide receivers in Cavante Turpin and Steve Ishmael from uh, Syracuse that are still around. And then down near the bottom of the, the top of the remaining guys, if that makes sense, you've got uh, uh, Iman Marshall, corner from USC. You've got Darius Phillips from Western Michigan. And then two tight ends. I've mentioned tight end a few times. You got Adam Brenneman at Massachusetts. And you got Christopher Herndon from Miami, who I really, really liked. And if he had not hurt his knee, would be long gone by this point, but could end up being a steal uh, in this year's uh, draft if he lasts this long. Uh, once again, we'll give uh, Coach Burns the first word. Yeah, this one's interesting. I think that the positions that are there at the top, I, they, they probably, like you said, they're going to they're gonna move on. Um, from corner, I think that this position is going to be adding pass rushing talent. Um, somebody who is specifically a second unit guy who can get off the edge and just get after the quarterback. Um, or they're going to go tight end. I know we didn't really mention this, but in one of our cuts in the in before the before we did this whole thing was cutting Randall Telfer. Um, that's a tough one. This guy's up for the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. He fights really, really hard. But I just think that they can get more out of tight end three on this roster. So you look at the two names you mentioned, Adam Brenneman uh, from UMass or, or, or Christopher Herndon. With Brenneman, you get a guy who has really good, a really good frame, really good pass catching ability, um, does a lot of the different body type catches um, in terms of high pointing going after. He dealt with some terrible quarterback play at UMass this year. Um, but but his film, you can see flashes of the necessary tools that make you think this guy could be even more than a tight end three. Um, if you're looking for a little bit of the lower basement, not quite as high a ceiling, you have Christopher Herndon. He's a traditional um, Y in the sense if he's an inline guy who will do a lot of the three tight end blocking stuff that we've seen this year from the Browns. He obviously is a Miami guy. He's familiar with David Njoku, so those two would get along really well, um, theoretically, and, and, and fitting together and, and playing off of each other. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I think that I would prefer Brenneman because at this point in the draft, you're looking for those high upside guys that you know, you're know you taking a shot on to do some big things. Um, so I like Brenneman, but I could see going with um, an edge rusher that we see available, or I could even see us settling with a Y. Um, a traditional Y guy who can block a little bit more like Herndon's. You know, you just got to make sure Herndon's physical checks out right coming off surgery. But my vote's Brenneman, but I could see it going either way. Uh, for me here, the key was, you know, who's the better blocker? Uh, look, we have Seth DeValve. We have David Njoku. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it could be third tackle glorified and run number 77 out there on short yardage situations. But the key here is to get a guy who can block, and anything else he gives us after that is gravy. So you know that's for you know that's how Brenneman went out here. Yeah, I uh, I like both of them. I I've been, I'm a big Herndon guy uh, in that I think he blocks really really well, um, and I think he gives you more in the passing game than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Um, uh, but I again, like you said. We're at the back end of the fourth round here, and we're looking at a position that we already have two guys at. Uh, we're just looking for somebody to come in and block, and like you just said, Jeff, anything he gives you in the passing game. So I, I'm okay either way, and at this point, I know Brenneman's had some dinged-up type injury history. I've seen people say that about him, but Herndon blew out his, uh, was it his MCL or his, his one of them? Um, I think it was MCL. MCL. MCL, yeah. Now, assuming he comes back, he's young enough that that can end up not being a thing. But at this point in the draft, like you just said about the previous pick, I think maybe that's the point that swings it in Brenneman's favor. So we ended yeah. up taking Adam Brenneman out of Massachusetts. 
and I think Brenneman actually ends up being a better long-term tight end than Seth DeVal. So I think DeVal turns into your tight end three someday, maybe even right away. That's how much I think Brenneman has a skill set to play in the NFL. All right, so that's as much as we did. So to wrap it all up, uh, in free agency, we got Devontae Adams, Alex Okafor, Kyle Fuller, LaMarcus Joyner, and Drew Stanton as our backup quarterback. In the draft, we went Josh Rosen, Minka Fitzpatrick, Carlton Davis on the corner, Sonia Michelle, Mitch Hyatt, Dante Pettis, Micah Kaiser, and Adam Brenneman. I, I think we've got a hell of a football team, guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. This would this would change uh, everything. It would add some real players, quote unquote, to the roster. Um, <laughs> to, to piggyback on the other pseudo real players mm-hmm. we have, and um, I, guys, that's a turnaround. If they, I don't know who the coach is. If it's even if it's Hugh Jackson, I think Hugh Jackson with this much talent infused can stumble into a few wins. They get the right coach, and on the other hand. I think they can stumble into quite a few more. Um, this is the type of offseason that can change your course. It's beautiful. I like what we did here. I hope the value of those things is there. Those those picks are there when we get there. But if they can address edge rushing um, specialist in the in the third the rest of those rounds, it's uh you know I say it often, but this is a franchise changing draft and offseason. You want to elongate a roster, and you know unlike some of the people in the offices out there. We think there is a nice product so far. So what do you want to do? You want to deepen it. You want to lengthen it, and that's exactly what we did. Well, and again, this is, you know, I mean, I, I, we've been said a few times they're probably not going to make all 12 picks, but we've only – they've got five more after what we just did. There's still <laughs> five more picks, which is insane. Yeah, it's like um, I, I tweeted out it's like adding a recruiting class. If they pick everybody and sign some guys, it's yeah. genuinely like adding a recruiting class to a college level. It's crazy. And no matter what's funny is, unless they come blazing out of the blocks next year and go to the playoffs somehow in year one, it's going to be a long time before John Dorsey lives down the real players uh, comment. He's going to be he's going to be tied to that on Twitter for years unless this thing turns around. Yeah. The funny thing about that is Dorsey today on 92.3. And, and I, I, I like John Dorsey. I think he's going to be OK. But he, he tried. As to, do I don't I. know if you guys listen. I, I think he's like you guys are. You guys are playing my words. No, John, we're actually repeating verbatim what you said. So there's, <laughs> exactly. no, there's no, there's no playing with your words, man. It, it is what you said. So stop doing so many interviews. Go behind closed doors. Shut the lights off. Watch the tape on all these guys and get it right. He didn't realize <laughs> the situation he walked into. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, no, but I mean, you know, a lot of people are, <laughs> a lot of people here are burnt. They're chapped. They're upset. So he walked into this, uh, you know, situation. And just thirty threw out a simple content, you know, comment, and you know maybe he meant more real players, but look, you didn't say it. And when a team's looking at one thirty-one over two years, and a fan base is looking at it, trust me, they are looking for every word you say, and that's kind of what happened. Uh, but guys, left on Browns one thirty-five. This fans fan speak ultimate GM mode. Jake Burns, Stephen Thomas from uh, Browns mock draft. Guys, a blast. Uh, you know this was fun, and look, you. you for, for any of you guys who are discouraged, any of you fans, you see what is in front. And look, nothing's changed like we said the last time we did this show. Some of the faces are changing here, but the plan shouldn't change. You are still in year three of a uh, three-year rebuild. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And it, it doesn't have to be – so many people in draft Twitter and in the draft world – dig their heels in and say, what we just did is the only way they can turn it around and you need these exact names. No, 
this is what we just did is just an example. If you can do similar, like if you can get Allen Robinson instead of Devontae Adams, or some people want Jarvis Landry or Sammy Watkins or whatever. The point is, if you can address all of the right spots in the next six months, you can really turn this thing around and the assets to do it are there three times over. You've got way more artillery than you need if you do it right. That's all this proves is that there are many ways to get there. You're shopping at a BJ's or a Sam's Club as opposed to shopping at the bodega. There it is. I yep. think that is the perfect analogy. I think that it is, it is almost fake how many opportunities they have. It feels like I'm playing a, a video game almost with the number of picks and opportunities that they have. So the hope is an important offseason. They get it right. I, I do believe that John Dorsey will do a good job uh, with it. I, I, I think that... Like you guys said, if it can if it can get the names and the positions that that we desperately need, it can be a change. How quickly that change happens, we don't know, but the hope is there that they can get uh, the necessary parts. Guys, for Stephen, for Jake, follow them both. Uh, follow at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, keep on following the at Lockdown Browns account. You guys have been so helpful at connecting me to who you guys want to hear. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to do this a few more times. We're having a blast with it. So appreciate everybody for listening. Take care, guys, and go Browns.